Now, I'd like to clarify before anyone asks, I am definitely not jumping in here trying to snipe Matt the NFL Fanatic's time slot. Recording on a Monday is simply a matter of scheduling circumstance, but that's not important. What's important is, ladies and gentlemen, in just a couple of days, the NFL is back, which means the week one picks are now. Let's do this. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, happily fueled once again by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. And here we are, NFL Week 1 picks for 2020, a season that it was anybody's guess whether it would happen or not just a few short months ago. Week 1 is always such a weird feeling because even though I've been doing this for 9 years, yes this is season 9 of this pick show, I've been doing this for so long, but I still get those week 1 butterflies. I still actually kind of get jitters doing this because obviously I want this show to be as good as it can possibly be because there are always more of you. There's always more listeners. There's always more people to keep to the standard that I want to keep. So I do. I definitely get those those jitters and those not fears, but you know definitely recording jitters when I sit down here to record week 1. So obviously, with nothing to recap from previous weeks, we're going to speed right through that typical section in the episode, but I will let you know, we do have some pick'em pools, once again, that are available to join and put your picks head-to-head against not only mine, but a bunch of other incredible people within this community and even outside of it. There is my pick'em pool, which I did a specific video on just a few days ago. You can go back and see that. There's also the Anti and Co. pick'em pool, and I will put the information for that in the description to the video file here on YouTube. You can find that information in there. Make sure you join both of those as well as the Anti and Co. Survival Pool. Survival football, it's something I'm not great at, but I'm learning more all the time and I'm always having fun with it. So survival football, pick'em pools, there's all that fun stuff and you're gonna find that in the description to the YouTube video. Even considering everything that's changed, the format of this show is going to remain mostly the same. I am making a pledge to you, once again, at the beginning of the season, making a pledge to you that I will try to do these episodes a little bit quicker. I realize it's not everybody's cup of tea to sit down for like an hour 10, hour 15 every single week. So I am going to endeavor to try to be a little bit quicker with these episodes. No promises. But we're still going to be talking about the pick and pools. We're still going to be talking about my fantasy football teams. And I will still remind you every single week, like I'm about to do right now, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube, you're going to find all of my results from the previous week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for the week in question. For this week, certainly it would be week one. All the information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pool and the Anti and Co. regular pick'em and survival pools. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you're going to find information on my incredible friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Today I'm enjoying a nice warm cup of strawberry power-up trying to help me power through my week one plays. Nerdtees.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST, that's going to save you 15% on anything that you order from Nerdtees.ca. You're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks. And look, they have a bunch of incredible, incredible blends. Last time I counted, it was up close to 100 or maybe even more. There's something on nerdtees.ca for absolutely every taste, every type of tea, you name it. There's something for you on nerdtees.ca. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do that on nerdtees.ca. And with the year we've all just had, everybody needs a little more love. 
So now that we've completed the world's quickest intro to one of these episodes, let's waste no more time. Let us go to our straight up picks for week one of the 2020 NFL season. Here we go and we're going to kick things off with the very first game of the season, the Thursday nighter. You're defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs at home opening the season against the Houston Texans. Obviously, there's not much that I can say about the Kansas City Chiefs that hasn't already been said. They were 12-4 and last season. Dominant offense. Defense that certainly did enough. They went all the way. Won the Super Bowl. And I feel pretty well brought back most of their significant pieces and certainly added to it. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the very last pick of the first round, he gets to absolutely moonwalk into the starting running back role on a prolific offensive team with arguably the best quarterback in the league right now, maybe the best quarterback that we've seen in a generation. Uh, I think he's going into a pretty good situation. Meanwhile, the Texans are coming into this game 10-6 and six from the previous season. They won the AFC South last year. Offense and defense, you know, kind of 50-50. So many questionable moves by the management of the Houston Texans. And, I mean, look, when you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, you can win basically any game. You are in every single game that you play. But I can't see how right now the Houston Texans sit as even equal of a football team as they were last season. Chiefs are returning the number six total offense from the NFL in 2019. Houston ranking in last season at number 28 on the total defensive side. And I again, I just, I simply don't see how that squad in particular has gotten any better. And if that defense hasn't gotten significantly better, I don't know how you stop the Kansas City Chiefs from doing almost whatever they want to do. The only way you stop it is on the offensive side. I just don't think that's a team that's capable of beating the Chiefs right out of the gate in week one. So I think we're certainly going to be on the Kansas City Chiefs on this game. Let's take Kansas City at home to beat Houston. See how quick that was? Now, in terms of my against the spread and over under plays, especially in week one, until we have some, some good 2020 season data on paper that we can actually start drawing from and when i say we i mean anybody doing this job basically i'm going to be dealing a lot with trends like the trends of head-to-head matchups the trends of week ones in recent memory so what i sat did is i sat down and i compiled some data on the last five years of games in week one because week one is inarguably the most unpredictable week in on the NFL schedule is it's every team is zero and zero and everybody's still figuring out what they've got, especially in 2020 where you didn't really have a preseason and every team is lacking live rounds in that sense. But I sat down and looked at, okay, what percentage of home teams won the game outright in week one over the last five years? What percentage of betting favorites won the games outright? What betting favorites covered what ranges of spreads? We looked at the totals, everything like that. So we'll talk more about that as we go with the picks. So in Houston, Kansas City, on the line, obviously the Chiefs are very strong favorites at home. Right now they are favored by minus nine. And as always, my numbers are coming from either Covers.com, which is a really good amalgamator of numbers, or Vegas Insider, same thing, really good amalgamator of numbers specifically in Vegas. So given what I talked about earlier, the fact that the Chiefs are returning most of their prolific Super Bowl winning offense and the fact that Houston is not the same team that they were on the field last year, it should sound like Kansas City minus nine is a layup, especially where they covered the spread 10 times in 16 games last year. Hold on. Taking Kansas City to win the game straight up, that was a layup. I mean, look, your home team, your percentage of home teams winning outright, it's pretty much a coin flip in the last five years in week one. Home teams are 40, 37, and 2 overall, so it's just a little bit over 50%, but that seemed like an easy home team to latch onto that they would be a winner in week one. And the betting favorites winning outright, it might not be as strong a percentage as you might think. In the last five years of week one, 
won games. The betting favorite has won the game outright just 62% of the time. They're 49, 28, and 2. So 62%, it sounds like more than it actually is. So if you're making your picks here in week one, it's a good idea to sprinkle in a decent, pretty healthy number of road teams and sprinkle in a pretty healthy number of upsets. It's always a good reminder, of course, my patented rule of four, the easiest thing to bet in the NFL, and I will go on record endlessly in saying that, all of those things definitely apply. But when we're looking specifically at the Chiefs number there of minus nine, in the last five years, betting favorites covering a spread of minus nine or more are 0 and 6 against the spread. And you have had situations here where you're talking about, obviously, it's, it's dominant teams against a team that is obviously a little bit weaker or else you wouldn't get a spread that big. But minus nine or more, 0 and 6, not a single one, has covered in the last five years. I'm going to take Houston plus nine. Because, yeah, granted, that's only six games in five years, but the fact that every single time someone has been favored by this huge of an amount and not a single one of those great teams has covered that number, there's got to be something to that number. So I'm actually going to lean, hedge my bets here, take the Houston Texans plus nine at Kansas City. Total in the game is obviously the highest total that we're going to look at this week. The total right now sits at 54 and a half. And even with as good as the Chiefs offense was last year and how kind of, you know, middling sort of their defense was, neither one of these teams were above 500 on the over last year. Kansas City was 8 and 8, Houston was 7 and 9. So the fact that this number is so huge, I think I've got to lean on the under on 54 and a half. It also certainly helps that even though in total the over under has trended towards the over in the last five years of week ones, but 53% of the games have gone over, when you put the total at 50 or more, there's been nine such games and the over is only four and five. So it's a coin flip and it leans a little bit more towards the under hitting on those big numbers. So I'm going to go with the under on this one. We're going to take under 54 and a half in Kansas City, Houston, like the Chiefs to win straight up, but the Texans to cover plus nine. Also certainly helps that head to head, the road team is nine and three against the spread in the last 12 head-to-head matchups between Houston and Kansas City. Just keep that one in mind, too. Final score predictions, which we will also bring back from last year, as a special treat to my good friend West Coast Martin, Kansas City 30, Houston 24. Let's go to Atlanta now, where the Falcons are going to open the 2020 season in the friendly confines, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. This, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the marquee games of week one, and we're going to look at it nice and early. I'm expecting fireworks in this one. The Seahawks overcame the fact that if it wasn't for the Arizona Cardinals, they would have had the worst statistical defense in that whole division to finish the season 11 and five, despite the fact they only scored seven more points than they allowed this year. Seattle was dominant on the road at seven and one in their eight games. They were 11 and five. They finished behind the San Francisco 49ers, of course, for the division. And Atlanta, I think, surprised some teams finishing 7-9. and nine. I had them finishing worse than that. Their offense played really, really well. The defense definitely left a little something to be desired. And look, they weren't a great home team last year, but they did finish the season on a four-game win streak to really almost, almost pull themselves back up even to 500. This is a matchup of two top 10 total offenses from last year. Atlanta sporting the number five total offense in football in 2019. Seattle no slouches at number eight overall. But again, you talk about Seattle's defense, then only the number 26 total defense from 2019. That unit has to turn it around in a big, bad way because, look, the offense can't necessarily keep bailing the Seahawks out of bad situations the way they were able to in 2019. The Falcons' addition of Todd Gurley in the offseason is one of the sneakiest moves in 
free agency that I really, really loved. I think this is a dark horse team that everyone obviously is talking about the Saints and talking about the Bucks because of Tom Brady and Gronk going there. But I mean, look, Atlanta's one of those sneaky teams that could just surprise everybody and sneak up and win this division. I don't think it's crazy to say that. And you know what? I think they get off to an excellent start here in the regular season. I think they start things off with a win. I am going to take Atlanta in this matchup to beat Seattle again. Atlanta was only not a great home team last year. Seattle was so good away from their home building. But historically, I still don't feel like the Seahawks are a team that travels overly well. I think Atlanta surprises them here. I'm taking the Falcons at home. On the line, the Falcons are actually a one-point dog in their own building to open up the season. So this is one of my underdog picks for week one. Certainly, since I like Atlanta to win outright, I'm going to grab the Falcons plus one. Neither one of these teams were particularly incredible against the spread last year. Atlanta was even money 8-8. Eight and eight. Seattle just under 500 at 7-8-1. and one. Sort of the same deal for the totals. Seattle 8-7-1 on the over-under. Atlanta only 7-9. But we're going to lean over, I believe, on the total here, which is 49 points. Like I said, in the last five years of week ones, the numbers have kind of skewed towards the over. And even though the totals in this week one are like astronomically high, I'm still going to stick over 49 on two really good offenses, teams that sort of, at least last year, were predicated on their offense. Even though it's 49, we're going to go over that number in Seattle and Atlanta. Let's go. Falcons 33, Seahawks 31. Tight matchup, Atlanta gets the job done. Worth mentioning, Seattle is 0-4 against the spread in the last four head-to-head matchups against the Falcons, and the over in their last nine has hit seven times. Let's go to Detroit now, battle of the NFC North, the Detroit Lions at home taking on the Chicago Bears. This is a matchup of the two basement dwellers of the NFC North from 2019, but it's worth pointing out, I mean, the Bears finished the season 8-8, won their final game in Week 17 to pull their record even. Detroit absolutely car crashed into the finish of last season, dropping nine consecutive games after sitting 3-3-1. Detroit, I think, certainly the better offensive team here, especially considering the Chicago Bears are going to be without their starting running back, David Montgomery, until late, late this month, dealing with a groin issue. I'm really surprised Chicago didn't make an overpay offer to Leonard Fournette when he was available, just just to have that insurance for the beginning of the season. But, I mean, that may give you a bit of an indication about where the Bears think they are from a franchise perspective. Number 29 total offense from 2019 was Chicago, but Detroit could not stop anybody last year. Detroit, the number 31 total defense from 2019, and you're looking at a Bears team that, yes, they were 8-8, eight and eight, and they rode the defense to that 8-8. Eight and eight. The number 8 total defense from 2019 were the Chicago Bears. I'm also trying to heavily take into consideration what teams have done to improve themselves. And I don't really see what Detroit has done other than uh, picking up Adrian Peterson, which didn't make a ton of sense to me, considering they already had DeAndre Swift, who they just drafted. Carryon Johnson is still in that running backs room. So they've added depth, but I don't necessarily think their run game has gotten any better. I think Chicago's defense, which either returning the vast majority of their defense, I think Chicago's defense is going to be more than enough here, even though the game is in Detroit, to handle whatever the Lions are going to be able to do on offense. I'll be interested to see what Matt Stafford looks like now. And I still just think the Chicago defense is good enough to get this thing done. So even though the game is in Detroit, I'm going to grab the Chicago Bears on the road in Detroit to beat the Lions. On the line, the Lions are laying minus three as the favorite. And even though betting favorites covering a spread of between minus three and minus five and a half has hit at about a 58% clip over the last five years, and that's money-making territory right there. If you bet every minus three to minus five and a half in Vegas in week one over the last five years, you'd be making a little bit of money on it. 
So it is definitely money-making territory, but I just, I'm not confident enough in the Lions. I don't think the Lions should be the favorite in this game. I think this should be a pick em, or if they're going to be a favorite, very, very slight. Minus a half point, maybe a minus one, a line like you saw in Seattle, Atlanta. I don't see Detroit being the three-point favorite here. Neither one of these teams were very good last year against the spread. They were a combined 10 and 22. So, look, I'm just going to take the underdog here. I'll take those three points. I like Chicago. Chicago to win anyway, but even if they don't, I think the game's tight enough that Chicago plus three is what's going to hit. Total in the game is set at 44 points, and even though Detroit was 10 and 6 over under last year, that's counterbalanced by Chicago being 6 and 10, and where I think Chicago's defense is going to be the unit that really dictates what happens in this game. I'm going to stick on the under on that one, even though, again, the numbers kind of skew towards the over. I think this thing stays below that. So we're going to go under 44 points in Chicago, Detroit. We are going to go Bears 22, Lions 15. Chicago is 5-2-1 against the spread in the last eight head-to-head matchups with Detroit. And the home team and the favorite, and this is worth mentioning because it's a trend that we're trying to buck here, the home team and the favorite are both 4-1-1 against the spread in the last six. So that is a trend that I'm acknowledging and acknowledging that we are trying to buck. We're going to run into a few of those before we finish. Now we're going to go to, obviously, my most anticipated matchup of week one. That is the Minnesota Vikings playing host to the Green Bay Packers. So there's your other NFC North matchup, this time between the two teams at the top of the division. These two teams combined to go 23-9 and last season. Green Bay won the division at 13-3. and I would say they want it like the defense or the, the offense. Sorry, the offense was okay. I think Green Bay won the division as much on their defense last year as they did on their offense. Obviously, Green Bay was incredible at home. They don't get the benefit of that this week. Minnesota was strong at home at six and two. The one thing that really crushed the Vikings last year, they only won two games in the division. They were only two and four. Green Bay ran the table. They went six and zero. Oh. These are two teams that comparatively I don't think are going to be either of them quite as good as they were in 2019. Obviously the big loss for Minnesota, Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo. Green Bay, I mean, I was kind of excited about Devin Funchess and his possibility of being a big guy on the outside to line up as the number two to Devontae Adams. And then he decides that he's going to opt out because of COVID. So now it looks like it's Alan Lazard's job to lose. Lazard had some really good games and some real flashes of brilliance last season but i i've yet to see him prove himself as a reliable number two so once again it's a well we'll see what happens kind of deal with the packers and the wide receiver situation Despite the fact that these two teams won so many games last year, no particular unit for either team, whether it be the offense or defense, was particularly fantastic or particularly terrible. In most measurable ways, they were certain degrees of good. And once again, this year, I think they will be certain degrees of good. The one X factor for each side here is obviously Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook. So if Aaron Rodgers takes over the game, I think Green Bay is going to win. If Dalvin Cook takes over the game, I think Minnesota is going to win. And that's basically what this head-to-head matchup boils down to. Call me a homer if you want to. I think I'd be silly to bet against the team that ran the table in this division last year. So yeah, even though the game's in Minnesota, I'm going to take Green Bay. I like the Packers to win this game. And look, maybe Minnesota gets revenge on them when the game goes to Green Bay later in the season. But as of right now, I'm going to stick with the team that I genuinely believe top to bottom is the better football team. And by a nose... I think that's Green Bay. So even though the game's in Minnesota, I'm going to take the Packers. Green Bay beats the Vikings. On the line, Minnesota's laying two and a half as a home favorite. So this kind of, again, falls into that range of being relatively close to being a smart play to take the home team. However, as that number was minus three and now moved to minus two and a half, your percentage for your betting favorite covering drops from 58% to 48%. Just with that little half point movement in the last five years of week ones, somebody as a favorite of a pick'em to minus two and a half 
only 11, 10, and 2 against the spread. So since I like Green Bay to win, I'm certainly going to be taking the points and taking Green Bay plus 2.5. Even if you like Minnesota to win, I think this is a tight football game. Packers were also the slightly better team against the spread last year, going 10-6. and six. Total in the game is set at 46 points, and even though Minnesota was slightly over 500 on the totals at 9-7, and seven, the Packers only went over six times in 16 games last year. So I think, once again, I've got to skew a little bit towards the under in this matchup. And again, the under is 5-1 and one in the last six head-to-head matchups between these two teams, and they've hit six straight unders head-to-head when the game has been in Minnesota. That's more than enough of a trend for me. So we're going to stick under 46 points in Green Bay, Minnesota. I'm going to take a single-point victory for the Green Bay Packers. Let's take Green Bay 21, Minnesota 20. Let's go to New England now where the new era begins for the New England Patriots. They are playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Miami bringing in a new offensive coordinator in the offseason, hoping to build with this young talent, this young core that Miami now all of a sudden has, certainly headlined by Tua. It's almost unfair to talk about what the Patriots were last year versus what they're probably going to be this year because how many players did they have opt out? It was at least eight have opted out due to COVID, and it's not nobody's. It's Patrick Chung, it's Donta Hightower, it's names that matter on that team have opted out. And then, of course, obviously the big one is that Tom Brady is no longer there. This is Cam Newton's football team now. Maybe it becomes Jared Stidham's team later in the season if Cam falters, who knows? But look, they were 12-4. and four. They're not going to be 12-4 and four again this year, but there's still a good core defense here that I think is going to lead New England to some wins. Miami last year was 5-11, and 11, finished the season winning two straight games. They showed a little bit in those last couple of weeks, but that defense damn near gave up 500 points last year. So unless they've magically figured out the entire way to play defense at the NFL level, it's going to be some problems again in Miami. Miami should be able to improve, however, on their number 27 total offense from 2019. Once again, they're going up against the number one total defense from last year. But again, I don't expect the Patriots to return a number one total defense in 2020. Look, until Miami shows it to me on the field, they don't have any... They have no goodwill that they can cash in with me as someone making NFL picks for nine years. They have no goodwill that they can cash in that thinks, oh, maybe Miami will keep this close. You got to show me on the football field. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been named the starter for week one. That shouldn't surprise anybody. He's got to show me. And Devontae Parker has got to show me. They've got to be able to show me that they're more than what they were last year before I would ever take them to win a game like this, even though... Miami and New England, some goofy stuff happens sometimes. We're still going to go Patriots all day here. I still think Cam Newton is going to be able to lead this offense to do some good things this year. So we're going to take Cam Newton and the New England Patriots at home to beat the Miami Dolphins and beat them in pretty sound fashion. On the line, the Patriots are six and a half point favorites at home. Neither one of these teams particularly great against the spread last year. Once again, Miami nine and seven, the Patriots eight, seven and one. Uh, Not a huge lean one way or the other when it comes to this range of the spread. Uh, Betting favorites only covering about 47% of the time, but I do feel like the Patriots will probably be able to cover this number at minus six and a half. It's not crazy. The home team is 13 and three against the spread in the last 16 head-to-head matchups and the Dolphins have only covered once against the spread in the last eight games in Foxborough against the Patriots so let's take the Patriots to cover that minus six and a half number total in the game is set at 43 points and this is a pretty middling total here I feel like we can lean on the trend of your week one games kind of skewing a little bit more on the over in this particular range you're looking at about 53 percent of the time I just feel like we're going to see some extra points in this one for us, particularly from the New England Patriots. I think Cam Newton is on a bit of a revenge tour here and wants to prove that he has more than what some people think he has. So we're going to lean over on this one, go over 43 points in New England, Miami. We are going to take the Patriots 35. That's right, five times.
touchdowns in week one from the Patriots. Miami, 10. Speaking of Cam Newton, let's talk about his previous team. Let's go to Carolina now where the Panthers are going to play host to the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, change is in the air both in New England and in Carolina. The Cam Newton era obviously over with the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater now takes over as their starting quarterback. They had a coaching change in the offseason. Matt Rule now takes the reins there. Carolina's defense, they better hope some changes happened with that defense. Otherwise, things are not going to go well for them this year. And you can kind of say the same about the Raiders. I didn't particularly think the Raiders had much of a defense last year either. Raiders were 7-9 and nine in 2019 and allowed 419 points on the season. Carolina, though, only 5-11. and 11, And despite having arguably one of the best offensive players in football in Christian McCaffrey, they only put up 340 points and gave up 470. So that was a bit rough for them, and they really skidded down the stretch. Eight straight losses for the Panthers. As I mentioned, it's the defensive side of the ball that really needs to improve for Carolina to make any kind of noise in 2020. The Panthers, the number 23 total defense from 2019, a lot of that needs to change. Now, they are up against an opponent that does have some good offensive pieces. Josh Jacobs, I think, is one of the best young running backs in this league. They just drafted Henry Ruggs, I believe. So they've got some pieces on the offense, and Derek Carr is a capable quarterback. He's not a world-beating quarterback. He never has been a world-beating quarterback. But he's a quarterback that can deliver the football. So Carolina, this is a nice test for their defense starting things off this season. I actually think Carolina comes out and wins this game. So they are a home underdog, and we'll talk about the spread here in a second. They're another one of my underdog picks. I just feel something with all of this change. As When we just talked about it, like Cam Newton wants to come out for the Patriots and really make a statement. Well, Teddy Bridgewater is going to want to do the same thing in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater wants to come out and prove that it wasn't just the fact that he got to be Drew Brees' backup quarterback on an incredible football team in the New Orleans Saints. He wants to prove he's capable of doing it, and he's got weapons. He's got DJ Moore. He's got Christian McCaffrey. They've got pieces. Curtis Samuel. They can do things with the pieces they have on offense, and if this is going to be the kind of game against you know, a middling type defense where it's going to be a shootout. I think I'm going to take touchdown Teddy. It's an upset pick. Call it what it is. I like the Carolina Panthers at home to steal a win from the Las Vegas Raiders. On the line, Carolina is giving three points as the underdog in this matchup. As I said, I mean, I don't think the Raiders should be favored here by a field goal. I mean, these are two, again, relatively middling teams. I would have expected the number to be a lot closer than this. But I guess considering Carolina only covered the spread six times last year, maybe that's where it comes from. Who knows? Once again, we are trying to buck that 58% trend of betting favorites covering minus three to minus five and a half over the last five years in week one. So we're doing that by saying Carolina is going to win the game outright. Obviously, I like Carolina plus three. Total in the game set of 47.5 points. This is another one where I would have expected a number to be up closer to like 50. If it was somewhere in the low 50s, maybe I might have to stop and pause for a second. But Carolina went over 11 times last year. That's because they have offensive pieces, but the defense was also garbage. I think you'll see a lot of points in this football game. The over 47.5 here is one of my easiest bets of this week. We're going to go over 47.5 points in Carolina, Las Vegas. Let's go Carolina 30, Vegas 28. Let's go to Jacksonville now, where what remains of last year's Jacksonville Jaguars team, which is basically Gardner Minshew and a couple of ball boys, I think, take on the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville, another team that swapped uh, offensive coordinators in the offseason, trying to make a little extra happen, but it's difficult to do that when you trade your bell cow running back. Sorry, don't even trade him. Release him. What am I talking about? 
A lot of chatter about the Indianapolis Colts being a team on the rise. I think Phillip Rivers is going to do really good things for what is a pretty darn good receiving core when you really sit down and look at it. Obviously led by T.Y. Hilton, but Paris Campbell is going to be ready to have a big season. I think they drafted Michael Pittman. So they've got weapons on the offensive side now, and they've got weapons running the football as well. You'll be, it's going to be, that's going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch this year. And Jacksonville, I mean, again, they, any offensive weapon they had other than Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark, they basically completely gotten rid of. Not going to spend a ton of extra time on this game. I personally believe the Jags are in tank mode. And I think the moves that they've made in this offseason kind of prove that they're in tank mode. So, look, I I think we're going to be on the Indianapolis Colts in this one. Even though it is a division matchup, anything can certainly happen. I'm going to take the team on the rise versus the team on the decline. Let's take the Indianapolis Colts on the road in Jacksonville to beat the Jags. On the line, the Colts are laying minus eight as a road favorite. That's a big number. And it's not really one that's overly supported by the favorite covering. Over the last five years, only nine, eight, and two have the favorites in week one covered minus six to minus eight and a half. So that's really not in a great range there. And look, again, division matchup, anything can happen. That's a lot of points for me, even though I think Jacksonville is trying to suck. Uh, It'll be interesting to see with Indianapolis with a new quarterback coming in, ideally learning a new system, one would assume anyway, might be a bit of a difficult transition for the very first week with no preseason. Both of these teams were middling across the board, both in ATS and on the totals. I think I got to take the Jags there. That's just too many points for me. So let's take those eight points and take Jacksonville plus eight. Total in the game set at 45 points. I feel relatively good about this going over. It's another middling number, about 54 to 55% in the last five years in week ones have gone over in this range. So I think we're going to lean a little bit on the over there. Indy was nine and seven to the over and Jacksonville was even money. So we're going to go over 45 points in Indianapolis, Jacksonville. Let's go Colts 25, Jags. 21. Let's go to Cincinnati now. New eras all over the place as Joe Burrow will make his NFL debut at starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals as they take on the Los Angeles Chargers, inarguably the most frustrating team in football to me. The Chargers are frustrating because on paper, they should be incredible. The Chargers should be competitive with the Chiefs. That's how good this team is, or certainly was, at least with Phillip Rivers there, on paper. That's what the Chargers were. And they kept finding ways to lose games. And every time I'd be like, there's no way they're not going to cover this. Or there's no way they're not going to win this game. They would find ways to lose constantly. 5-11 and 11 last season, despite the fact that, like, Top 10 total offense and top 10 total defense, if memory serves me correctly. And of course, the less said about the 2019 Cincinnati Bengals, the better. They were 2-14, not very good offensively, pretty bad defensively, got the first overall pick. And you know, they won in week 17, that's something. Okay, Chargers, this is the deal. I'm going to pick you to win 30-10. I'm going to pick you to cover minus three on the road against the Bengals. Game goes under 43, by the way. That's only 40 points. And if you mess up, that's it. The anti-Chargers train starts week two if they don't demolish the Cincinnati Bengals in week one. Because even if you think Cincinnati is going to be better offensively this year, which I do, even if you think Cincinnati is going to be better defensively this year, which I do, they added on both sides of the football. Their pass rush is going to be better. Their defense is going to be better. Their offense is going to have more opportunities. Their offense is going to be better. Joe Burrow is going to have a decent little year. But I swear to you, Chargers, and I swear to you, Chargers fans, and I don't mind making some enemies here right out the gate in week one. If the Chargers don't beat Cincinnati 
by multiple possessions in week one, it's over. I'm betting against you the rest of the year. I'm not taking you straight up. I'm not taking you against the spread. I will be anti-Chargers all year long. You got one shot. Chargers win 30 to 10. Chargers cover minus three against the spread. Game goes under 43 points. On to another one of the marquee matchups in week one, the New Orleans Saints playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, but this time it's inside the division. The stakes have never been higher between these two. Despite having one of the best offenses in football and actually scoring the exact same number of points last year as the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay only finished the season 7-9, losing back-to-back games at the end of the year. They had a shot at going 500, certainly didn't happen. Jameis Winston joining that quote-unquote illustrious 30-touchdown, 30-interception club for the Bucks, The Saints cruised to a 13-3 record. They were great on the road. They were really good at home. They were great in their division, only dropping one division game. This is one of the elite teams in football, and everybody knows it. Both of these teams fielded top 10 total offenses in 2019, as I kind of alluded to there before. The Bucks, the number three total offense in football last year with Jameis Winston swinging the rock. So it'll be real interesting to see what a game manager like Tom Brady will be able to do with the offensive pieces that are on this Bucks team. You got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you got good tight ends, your running backs, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Very obviously, I'm expecting this to be a game with a lot of points. I think I got to lean on the hometown Saints, though. I, I, I just don't see Drew Brees and the Saints with a window that is closing faster than arguably any other team in the league. I just don't see the Saints losing in week one to Tom Brady. I, I don't know why I don't see that. I just don't. I just It just it feels weird. It feels wrong. I'm not going to do it. That's about all the justification I've got for it. I got the Saints winning this thing in week one. I think there's going to be a phenomenal football game between these two. Offense galore. Defenses just stay home. We want to see some points. We want to see some fireworks. A fun game right out the gate in week one. But I'm going to take the Saints in this matchup. On the line, New Orleans is favored by a little over a field goal. It's minus three and a half at home. I'm comfortable laying those points. It's not a huge price to pay here for a game that's going to be really predicated on the offensive side of the ball. The Saints also covered the spread 11 times last year, whereas Tampa Bay only covered five. And I get that, obviously, Tampa Bay's offense is going to be markedly different looking this year with Tom Brady instead of Jameis Winston. But I'm going to lean on that Saints uh, 11 and 5 against the spread. And we are going to take the Saints to cover minus three and a half. It's also in that very strong trend of covering spreads. Total in the game set at 49 points. And this is a kind of a laughable total for me. This thing should hit 60 easily. Tampa Bay went over 12 of 16 games last year. That It helps when your defense is good in some ways and not so good in other ways. But I think this game sails over. It's another one of the easier calls for me this week. We're going to go over 49 points in New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Let's go Saints 37, Bucks 31. Worth mentioning, the over has hit four times in the last five head-to-head matchups and five times in the last seven head-to-head matchups in New Orleans. The favorite is also 6-2 against the spread in the last eight, so there's that too. Let's go to San Francisco now for one of the more mind-boggling betting situations that I think I have in week one. The San Francisco 49ers at home playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. The San Francisco 49ers obviously went to the Super Bowl last year, ultimately losing to the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they were in control of the game for most of the way. Niners were 13-3 in the regular season. Their offense was fantastic. Their defense was almost impregnable all season long. The Cardinals, pretty good offensive season. Defensively, absolutely abysmal. Their defense was awful last year, and I don't think they've done a whole lot to address it. They've certainly done a lot to address the offense, bringing in DeAndre Hopkins with arguably now the best 1-2-3 punch at wide receiver in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Legend, and Christian Kirk. Got no reason to believe the Cards won't score plenty of points 
in this season and even, you know, some points in this game. But man, like, I, the, I don't know how you can have the worst total defense in football last year and not really do much of anything to address it. So the reason this is one of the crazier betting situations, and let's get this out of the way right now. I'm taking the 49ers to win this game, and I realize some goofiness happens in this division sometimes. Happens in pretty well every division, but certainly happens in this division. Definitely some goofiness that can happen here. I'm taking the 49ers to win, and I'm taking them to win big because I don't trust Arizona's defense whatsoever. What's weird to me is San Francisco is only favored on the line. They're only laying seven points as the favorite, which seems to me like a great gift. But it seems as though betters are very split on this one, and more of them are taking Arizona plus seven than are taking San Francisco minus seven. And that just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I get that Arizona was 9-5-2 and two against the spread last year. Technically, they were a slightly better against the spread team than San Francisco was. So I can buy that, but I can't buy situationally Arizona not getting beaten by more than a touchdown in this game. I really, really can't make that make sense in my brain. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely laying the minus seven. Total in the game here set at 47 points. I wouldn't even think too hard about this. We're going to go over on this one in a big, bad way. I think San Francisco is going to put up plenty of points in this game. And I think Arizona, with the new pieces that they have on the offensive side, will put up their points as well. I think this probably sails over this total. So we're going to go over 47 points in Arizona-San Francisco. Let's go Niners 38, Arizona 24. Two more games on the docket before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week one in 2020. We're going to go to Los Angeles now where the Rams are going to play host to the Dallas Cowboys who obviously made a very high profile coaching change in the offseason. Mike McCarthy now in at the reins of the Dallas Cowboys. Rams had what you have to believe was an underwhelming season last year, only at 9-7. and seven. Expected the defense to certainly play better than it did. They were only even money on the road last year, so just expected more from that team. I thought they would be up in, like, the Seattle territory, something like that, and it just didn't really happen. And the Dallas Cowboys, for how good that offense was and how good that defense was, uh, it, it's mind-boggling. It's almost in Chargers territory how the Cowboys didn't win 11 or 12 games last year. So actually, these two teams are kind of in the same boat. It's it's mind-boggling to me how Dallas was only 8-8. Eight and eight. And they had to win their Week 17 game to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. These are two top 10 total offenses from 2019. Dallas, the number one total offense in the NFL last year. The Rams, no slouches at number seven. It wasn't the offense that was the problem. It was kind of the defense. The defense just didn't play up to a Ram standard of defense. Dallas also returning the number nine total defense from 2019. And that's a defense that's only gotten better. Dallas is loading up and going for it. One of the most interesting relationships to watch this season is going to be the relationship between Mike McCarthy and his key offensive players. Mike McCarthy is not the kind of coach that likes to allow his offensive players just free reign and go for it. Obviously, there was a very contentious relationship with Aaron Rodgers while Mike McCarthy was the coach of the Packers. Now, yes, I know Mike McCarthy's not calling the plays for Dak Prescott in the offense, and I hope he just leaves that alone because you have an elite high-level offense here. Leave it alone. I question whether Mike McCarthy will do that, but we'll start seeing whether that's the case or not here in week one. I feel pretty strongly here on Dallas as a road favorite, even though they had the coaching change. I think the coaching change will do a lot of good things for Dallas. I think just a fresh voice in the room is going to help out that team, and it's going to help Dak Prescott in his development, I believe, as well. I like Dallas as a road favorite here. We're going to take the Cowboys on the road in Los Angeles to hang loss number one on the Rams, even though I think the Rams are going to surprise some people this year. Against the spread, like I mentioned, the Rams are taking three points as a home underdog here. So again, it's one of those ones where you kind of want to lean on the favorite, that 58%. So that's what I'm doing here. I think Dallas is the better football team. I think Dallas gets the job done. And I think Dallas covers that minus three. So we are going to take Dallas minus three 
in Los Angeles. Total in the game set at 52 points. And this is another one of those ranges where it's actually under 500. Only 44% of these week one games over the last five years with totals above 50 have gone over. But this is one that I think does go over. Even though Dallas's defense is going to be really good yet again. And the Rams defense... We're hoping to see better. These are two really good offenses. I think you're going to see some fireworks in this game. 52 points. I, If it had Houston and Kansas City's 54 and a half, maybe I might have had to think about it a little bit. But it's a low 50. We're going to go over on it. Let's go over. 52 points in Dallas, Los Angeles. We're going to go Cowboys 35, Rams 25. These two teams have also gone over four straight times head-to-head, and the home team is 6-2 and two against the spread in the last eight. That's a trend we're hoping to buck. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks is another really weird one on the betting side. The Tennessee Titans on the road in Denver taking on the Broncos. Now, the Broncos changed offensive coordinators, and they've got offensive weapons for the first time in a few years they can really feel like they've got some offensive firepower that they've got some pieces here they got two really good running backs in philip Lindsay and melvin gordon you've got drew lock at quarterback hoping to take a big step forward this year noah fant at tight end Cortland Sutton at wide receiver is coming back. They got Jerry Judy in the draft. I believe they got KJ Hamler in the draft as well. Denver's got some offensive pieces and they're definitely looking to improve on the number 28 total offense from last year. Broncos won back-to-back games and were 4-1 and in the last five games of the season last year to finish at 7-9. and I think it was a bit of a disappointment for them. I think they would have liked to have played better for sure. Um, I mean, look, I don't think anybody's catching Kansas City in that division anytime soon, but the Broncos could certainly solidify themselves as a solid number two and have a chance at a wildcard spot, especially with the expanded playoff format this year. Titans, meanwhile, snuck into the playoffs at nine and seven, certainly made some noise when they got there. And look, this is Derrick Henry. This is the Derrick Henry show on offense, big time. They've got other pieces, but let's be fair, it's the Derrick Henry show. And good for him, he got paid like it's the Derrick Henry show, which is what he deserved. It's weird to me because Tennessee is entering this game as the underdog. I would have expected Tennessee to be a small favorite rather than being a small dog. This is the kind of line I expected to see in a couple of these other games that we've talked about where some, you know, some favorites have just been kind of weird and wonky. I do like Tennessee, even though the game's on the road. It's one of the late games this week. I like Tennessee to go into Denver and pick up the win. I don't necessarily know that all of Denver's pieces are going to be ready to fire right out the gate in week one. I think Tennessee is much closer to that. And I think Tennessee is just going to be able to bear down with the run game. And I think Tennessee picks up the win. So we are going to go Tennessee on the road in Denver beating the Broncos. Like I mentioned, Denver laying a single point as the favorite at home. I like Tennessee to win. So Tennessee plus one, certainly what we're taking. Might as well be a pick em. If they win the game, they probably cover the spread. Total in the game set here at 41. It's a very low total, and I understand why it is what it is. I think you're going to be a lot of this game predicated on the ground game, which means points might be a little bit more at a premium. But Tennessee did go 10-6. and six over under last season and Denver wasn't crazy bad at seven and nine. I think I got to skew over on this. Just I like Titans 26 Broncos 17. We are certainly hoping to buck the trend of the favorite being five and two against the spread in the last seven head to head matchups. That probably means the Tennessee would lose the game outright. We definitely don't want that to happen. Hey, remember like an hour ago when I promised that these episodes would be shorter. Turns out I lied. Here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week one in the NFL. We're going to start at the bottom with the bronze pick. And my bronze pick for week one in 2020 is the Baltimore Ravens at home taking on the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland with another coaching change. And uh, I don't know what to say to the people that are expecting... Einstein's definition of insanity or a definition of insanity that has been attributed to Einstein. I don't know what Cleveland expects to happen differently. 
Look, Baltimore ran the AFC last year. They ran this division. They were seven and one at home, seven and one on the road. Obviously, fourteen wins. The Browns were six and ten. The defense was not good enough. They lost four of the last five to end things last season. They really went on a skid where they were kind of maybe there, and then just completely went off the rails. And they haven't really changed all that much, other than bringing in a new coach. And bringing in a new coach can be good. Or it can change nothing. One thing that I don't think is going to change is the fact that the Baltimore Ravens had the number two total offense in football last year. I would expect them to be in the top five again this year. They had the number four total defense in 2019. I'd expect them to stick around somewhere in the top ten. So pretty easy to guess which way I'm going on this one. I really like the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, to kick the season off with a win like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're Probably, I would say, biggest threat, obviously, in the AFC. I like Baltimore to come up with the win here. Let's take the Ravens at home to beat Cleveland. On the line, the Ravens are eight and a half point favorites, laying a big number at home in week one to a division rival, and I like them to cover it. Baltimore was 10 and 6 against the spread last year. Cleveland was 5, 10, and 1. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. I don't think those numbers change a great deal this year. So yes, it's eight and a half points. Yes, it's a big number. It does fall just short of that 0-6 thing we talked about earlier in the episode, if you remember back that far. And even though it's a big number, I think Baltimore should cover it with relative ease. Uh, if they don't win this game by at least 10 points, I think something's probably wrong in Baltimore. So I'm going to lay those points. I'm going to take them to cover it. Baltimore minus eight and a half. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. Neither team was really spectacular on the totals last year. They were only a combined 17 and 15. But I think this is one where we can confidently lean on the over trend in week one over the past five years. Even though it's a high 40, it's not like it's a 50. I think this number goes over. Let's take over 48 and a half points in Cleveland, Baltimore. I like Baltimore 40, Cleveland 16. Baltimore straight up, Baltimore minus eight and a half against the spread over 48 and a half points. That is my bronze pick. My silver pick sees the New York Giants fresh off of their own coaching change in the offseason at home playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously the biggest return, maybe one of the biggest returns in the NFL is Ben Roethlisberger returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers, going back under center for this season. Hopefully he can stay healthy and that's a boon to every single piece of that really bad Pittsburgh offense from last year. Pittsburgh tried to make a run, man. They tried to make a run at that last wildcard spot. They just fell a little bit short. Their defense was playing lights out at one point last year, but the offense just wasn't good enough. They were number 30 in the NFL last year. And even if they had been 25th, like even if they had been just a little bit better, I think you would have seen Pittsburgh sneak into that last wildcard spot. I really, really do. Meanwhile, the New York Giants are still mired in their perpetual rebuild. 4-12 and 12 from last year. Daniel Jones did not have a fantastic rookie season, but he certainly showed some things. And I don't think it was his fault that they were only a four-win team. I would say it's probably the fault of the defense that gave up 451 points. So purely on a defensive matchup here, look, the Steelers were the number five total defense in football last year. They are more than capable of handling a New York Giants team that was not exactly a great offense. Pittsburgh just extended Cameron Hayward, I believe, this morning. So one of their best defensive players just got paid money that he's earned. And I think he just continues to show this year why he earned that kind of money. I think Pittsburgh is one of the low-key dangers in the AFC. This is definitely a playoff team to me, and they start showing that right away in week one. Even though they're on the road in New York, I like the Steelers to run away with things against the New York Giants. Let's take Pittsburgh over New York. On the line, the Giants are five-point dogs at home, even though this is a relatively big number. It's not like it's a touchdown, and it does fall within that really strong range, that really strong 58% range that we've talked about a bunch. So I like Pittsburgh to cover this number. Minus five is not crazy to me with this matchup. I think Pittsburgh's defense gets that done. I'm laying those five points 
taking Pittsburgh minus five. Total in the game set at 48 points. This has to stay under, I think. It's two not great offenses, even though Pittsburgh's offense will certainly be better with Ben Roethlisberger under center than it was with uh, Duck Hodges, uh, Space Adventure, or uh, Mason Rudolph, uh, or anybody else that might have played a cup of coffee at quarterback for Pittsburgh last year. Certainly this offense is going to be better. It means good things for Juju Smith-Schuster. Probably means good things for James Conner, but... I don't think this is going to explode, and it's a pretty high number at 48. I think Pittsburgh's defense is too good for that. So we're going to stick under 48 points in Pittsburgh, New York. Let's take Steelers 21, Giants 8. Pittsburgh straight up, Pittsburgh minus 5 against the spread, under 48 points. That is the silver pick. My gold pick, we go to Washington, another team that has gone through, obviously, a myriad of changes, including a coaching change, and actually, I think, probably a pretty good coaching change, Ron Rivera coming in to coach the Washington football name TBDs to uh, steal a line from Pat McAfee. They are playing host to division rival Philadelphia. Again, division games, anything can happen. That may not be more true in any other division than it would be in the NFC East where like 9-7 and perpetually is good enough to win this division. And it's so weird how they've got like two really good football teams that can't seem to do any better than 9-7. and Washington really struggled down the stretch last season, dropping their last four games, finishing the season 3-13. and Kind of looked like they were chasing that first overall pick, but instead they settled, huh? See what I did there, a little wordplay for Chase Young at number two. And that's a great draft pick, and he is immediately going to make that defense better. But as is an annual tradition in Washington, Darius Geis goes down for the season. They just cut Adrian Peterson, so it looks like it's Antonio Gibson time. And, like, who knows? Who knows what you're going to get out of that team offensively? Terry McLaurin, I'm sure, is going to have an excellent season because who the hell else do you throw the ball to? Meanwhile, the Eagles won this division last year at 9-7. and seven. Pretty good defense, pretty good offense, pretty good across the board. They ran this division at 5-1, and one, which was an equal mark to the Cowboys. They won the last four games to end the season last year to win the division, to make the playoffs. Like This is a good football team that's not a great football team. And maybe that's because of injuries, but I'd say they're good, not great. One thing that is great about the Eagles, though, is the defense. The defense, number 10 total defense from last year, and that is going to be more than enough to go up against the number 31 ranked total offense from Washington from last year, as well as Washington's number 27 ranked total defense. I don't think the Redskins have much... Oh, 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 mistake. I don't think Washington has much for Philadelphia in this game. I think Philly should probably cakewalk through this game, even though the game is in Washington. We're going to take the Eagles on the road in Washington to beat the Washington football name, team name, TBDs. On the line, Eagles are minus six on the road in Washington. I see them covering that. Washington was only six and ten against the spread last year. Philly wasn't a ton better, but it's better than six and ten. And it's less than a touchdown, and Washington's not very good. So we are going to lay those six points on the Philadelphia Eagles on the road, take Philly minus six. Total in the game set at 43 points. Both of these teams were even money last year. And even though the trend is kind of on the over here, I don't know what I'm getting from one team on the offensive side. I don't know if Washington, if Terry McLaurin is going to be Michael Thomas or if he's just going to be a standard team's wide receiver one. I don't know what I'm going to get from Washington on the offensive side. I don't think I can take this over, even though it's a relatively low number. I'm going to stick under 43 points in Philly, Washington. Let's go Philly, 29. Washington, I'll give them a field goal. Eagles straight up, like the Eagles to cover minus six against the spread, under 43 points. That is the gold pick and the platinum pick, the last game of the week. We made it to the end. The Buffalo Bills at home playing host to the New York Jets.
By the way, there are also a ton of trends going in Philadelphia's direction in that game against Washington, not the least of which being the favorite is 6-1 and one against the spread in the last seven head-to-head. The Eagles are 5-1 and one against the spread in the last six head-to-head. And the road team in that matchup, 5-2 and two against the spread in the last seven. So the, the Eagles are going to get the job done. No worries. Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets, uh, two teams certainly predicated on the defensive side of the ball. It's two top 10 total defenses from last year. Buffalo, the number three total defense in football last year, and their offense certainly got a lot better bringing in Stephon Diggs. But the Jets, no slouches, number seven total defense. They got the job done certainly on one side of the ball. Despite putting together a really good 10-6 and season for the Buffalo Bills, neither one of these offenses were particularly solid. Like, the Bills only put up 314 points, the Jets only put up 276. In terms of the total offenses, again, neither one particularly strong. Both bottom 10, in fact. The Jets, the worst total offense in football. Buffalo, only number 24. But obviously for me, for the Bills, it's that defense, man. Not only was the total defense incredible, the scoring defense was incredible. And that was where the Jets kind of let people down. They were not opportunistic on the fact that their total defense was really good. They still gave up a ton of points. And points are what matters. I mean, points is what dictates who wins and who loses. I think Buffalo is the team that's going to be capable of getting them. And I think the Jets are the team that's going to be stopped from getting them. So we're certainly on the Buffalo Bills here at home division matchup. I like Buffalo at home to beat the Jets. On the line, the Bills are six and a half point favorites at home, laying just under a touchdown. This is kind of a middling thing here, but I really do think Buffalo covers that number where it's just under a touchdown. Buffalo did cover nine times against the spread last year, whereas the Jets only covered seven. I think we got to go with Buffalo minus six and a half. Let's lay those points. Take the Bills minus six and a half. Total in the game is set at 39.5 points, the only total with a 3 in front of it. Now, the trend here is very heavily towards the over. It's literally 67%. Now, the reason that it's 67% is there's only been three such games in week one in the last five years that have been totals of under 40. So, two of those three have gone over like you would expect them to. However, you got to take into, again, take into the context of the two teams that are playing. Buffalo only went over four times last year. Buffalo is about the defense, about grinding out wins. And to the Jets' credit, they only went 7-9 and on the totals last year, and that was with a fairly bad scoring defense. So I think this game stays under, even though it is head and shoulders the smallest number that we will look at this week or that we have looked at this week. So even though it's a really low number, I still like it to stick under. We're going to go under 39.5 points in New York Buffalo. Let's go Bills 13, Jets like Washington. We're going to give them a field goal. Ladies and gentlemen, it feels good to be back. Those are your picks for week one of the 2020 NFL season. We certainly did not achieve our goal this week of a shorter episode. We'll try again next week and see what we can come up with. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, as well as your eternal patience for these long podcast episodes. Guys, it feels great to be back. And I cannot wait for this weirdest of the weird NFL season to kick off on Thursday. Enjoy the games. We'll see you again for week two. Oh, 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 one more thing. We may see each other a little sooner than that too. You never know.